Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is Q&A Tuesday. That means I have pulled in a bunch of questions that I've gotten from you all in the last week or so, and I've piled them all into today's episode with some answers that I hope are going to help help out the people who ask the questions, but help out a whole bunch of other moms and dads too who might be struggling with similar sleep issues. Let's dive into the questions for today to get things on track and help you out. First one is about a three-month-old. Help, my three-month-old is trying to break out of his Velcro swaddle and also is rolling on his side. I'm terrified of moving him to his sleep sack and how this might affect his sleep. This is a big one. So two big questions here. One, how do we transition out of this swaddle into a sleep sack when our child is trying to bust out of it? And also to note that he's rolling on his side. Here's the thing, moms and dads. If your child is showing any signs of rolling, we need to be moving out of the swaddle into a sleep sack now, at this point, as soon as we show any signs of rolling. There are other signs that we need to move to a sleep sack too. And first of all, just also keep in mind, your child doesn't have to wear a swaddle at any point. You can just put your child in a sleep sack from night one of his life, and that's fine. And there are companies that make sleep sacks in size newborn for this purpose, for parents who don't want to swaddle or for babies babies who don't like swaddling. There's a bunch of controversy and different thought processes around swaddling. And there are various recommendations from various regulators about if to swaddle, when to swaddle until. But bottom line, number one rule is if baby is starting to roll and you have been swaddling, if they're showing any signs of rolling, you need to be moving them to a sleep sack because we don't want them potentially rolling onto their belly and not being able to push themselves into a safe position. This is why we stop swaddling as soon as baby shows signs of rolling. So we don't really have a choice for this mama. We really have to recommend that we're moving away from the swaddle ASAP and into the sleep sack. But this mom also mentioned that her baby is trying to bust out of the Velcro swaddle. Even if her baby wasn't rolling in that case, I would suggest we want to be moving him to a sleep sack because if he's trying to bust out of the swaddle, he's probably trying to use his hands to self-soothe. He wants to suck on his fingers, chew on his hands. That's really normal at this age. And the swaddle is now keeping him from doing that. So I know it can be scary because you're worried about that moral reflex, that startle reflex where a baby might sort of swat themselves in the face and wake themselves up when they have their hands free, but there does come an age where we want them to have their hands free and have that opportunity to find new ways to self-soothe. So don't be terrified because you might move your baby to his sleep sack and he might just love it because now he can reach his hands and that's great. Also, we have to do it because he's rolling onto his side. One thing I will recommend If your baby isn't yet rolling and you're trying to make the transition just because you think they would be more comfy, you want them to be able to self-soothe, is doing a gradual transition to the sleep sack where you swaddle baby with one arm out for a few nights. So he only has access to one arm instead of two for a few nights while he's getting used to this. And then you swaddle baby with both arms out, but his body's still wrapped snugly the way it used to be in his swaddle so that he has his arms free, but he still feels that snugly swaddle sensation. And then after a few nights of that, you move to a sleep sack. However, 
this baby is rolling onto his side, so we can't really do the gradual transition. We have to just recommend moving right to a sleep sack because we don't want any restriction of his arms if he can roll. So I know that's a tough answer and you're hoping sometimes for a more magical solution or answer to this tough transition, this sometimes tough transition. But bottom line, if he's rolling, we have to just move to the sleep sack and know that there could be a couple of off nights where baby wakes up more than normal because he is using his hands more, hitting himself with his hands more, but it's for safety. We will get to the other side of this. Manage those wake-ups the way you would manage any wake-ups and you will get to the other side of this pretty quickly where baby gets quite quickly adjusted to having all of that freedom of being in the sleep sack. Next question is about a six-month-old who's going through a lot of development. For the last week, my six-month-old who is sleep-trained, uses no sleep props and previously slept through the night, has been waking up anytime between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. He doesn't cry, but he's just waking self-soothing for like 30 to 60 minutes every night. What's going on? This is really normal for six-month-olds. Six months is a huge age for both cognitive and physical development for babies. They're practicing tons and tons of new skills. And sometimes they like to practice them at two o'clock in the morning. So this is really normal. If this baby is an independent sleeper, which mom says he is, he uses no sleep props, he used to sleep through the night, As long as we are consistent during these times, he's probably going to get through this little stage. I'm not even going to call it a regression because he's clearly progressing in his skills. He's probably going to get through it within a few days to a week. And in the meantime, I would virtually do nothing. As long as you know your baby is in a crib, which is the safest place for a baby to sleep, his room is the right temperature, we've dressed him properly for sleep, and he's waking up for half an hour to an hour in the middle of the night chatting to himself, I would let him be. If you're not comfortable with that and you're worried that baby perhaps is pooped or something like that, certainly go in and check to make sure that's not the issue. But in general, if baby is fine and happy and chatting and we go in there we're probably just going to upset him because we're going to disturb his attempts to practice whatever skills he was practicing. And now he's just going to be upset when he wasn't previously. So this is all to say, this is a normal age for this kind of thing to happen. Baby to wake up for half an hour to an hour in the middle of the night, practice his verbal skills, practice rolling, whatever it might be. And as long as he's happy and safe, I would let him do his thing and know that this is probably going to pass relatively quickly when he gets past this milestone. Next question is about early wakes, and I know this is a big one because if you're listening to this podcast when it is actually airing, you know that daylight saving time, the the end of daylight saving time is coming up in a few weeks, and this can be scary for early morning wakers. This mom said to me, do you have any tips for how to break the cycle of early morning wakes? Babe wakes around quarter after five every day already, so I'm really dreading the upcoming time change. So I'm not going to talk about daylight saving time here today because we actually have a whole podcast episode devoted to this. We're going to replay it right before the time change so you have it top of mind. You have tips at the ready for daylight saving time change. But let's talk a little bit about early morning wake-ups because maybe we can nip this in the bud before we even have to think about the time change. There are two big reasons that babies wake early in the day. There's There are a bunch of other reasons, but there's two big ones. The first one is overtiredness going to bed at night. So really try to ensure you're following age-appropriate wake windows before you put your baby to bed at night. 
If you have a five-month-old and they are already on a two-nap schedule and having three or four hours of awake time before bed and they're waking early, I would suggest that's why they're waking early. For example, a five-month-old can usually only handle two hours of awake time before they go to bed, maybe slightly more than that, and they usually need a three-nap schedule. So for that five-month-old, this is just an example, this mom didn't tell me how old her baby is, If you have a five-month-old who's having three or four hours of awake time before bed, he's probably overtired going to bed. And children who go to bed overtired usually actually wake earlier the next day. They have trouble getting into and staying in a nice, deep, restful sleep. So they wake up in those early hours of the morning in that lighter stage of sleep, agitated, disturbed, and having trouble getting back to sleep. So no matter what your baby's age is, educate yourself about age-appropriate wake windows. We have loads of information about that on our Instagram page at The Happy Sleep Company and on our website, thehappysleepcompany.com on our blog. Check those out. Educate yourself about those age-appropriate wake windows and really try to make sure you're hitting those, not going over those, not having a baby who's overtired when they go to bed because that can often cause early wakes. And the other thing is sleep crutches, meaning feeding to sleep, rocking to sleep, replacing a pacifier to go to sleep, even just getting your baby really drowsy before they go to bed at night. This stuff can often feel like it makes baby go to sleep more easily, but it is the same stuff that keeps baby from learning the independent sleep skills that they're going to need at four or five o'clock in the morning when they're in a light stage of sleep and they wake up a little bit in order to get back to sleep. So we really want to avoid those sleep crutches, ensure baby is always going to sleep fully independently because then they are going to have the independent sleep skills they need to go back to sleep independently, whether that is 30 minutes into a nap or at 5.15 a.m. when they're in that light stage of sleep and wake up. So getting rid of sleep crutches and helping your baby strengthen those independent sleep skills can really help with early wakes. So Think about those things if you're struggling with early wakes. Think about them now, well before the time change, and then check out our podcast episode on daylight saving time because that's going to help with some extra tips. Next question is, my five-month-old has been an amazing sleeper since we did some sleep coaching, but my toddler brought home hand, foot, and mouth disease this week. What do I do if my baby gets sick? Do I comfort him as much as possible, or do I keep our boundaries around sleep? And if I break the boundaries, do I just revert back to normal after he recovers? Good question. Illness is a big one. It's a good conversation to have. It's fall right now. We're heading into cold and flu season. If you have a baby who already has independent sleep skills and you normally don't have to go check on them at night because they sleep right through the night, then it can really throw a wrench into your normal sleep schedule when your baby gets sick and they wake up in the night and that's not something you're used to. But if you have a baby who has independent sleep skills, it's very likely you did some form of sleep coaching to get them there at some point. So I would suggest you stick with whatever your sleep coaching strategy was. If you, for example, took a timed check-in approach when you were first teaching your baby independent sleep skills and you would leave their room with them in their crib awake, but you would go back and check on them at intervals, offer reassurance, offer support, leave the room again, give them a chance to self-soothe, go back and check on them if they were still upset. For example, then this is the type of approach I would also use again if your baby is sick. The difference is when your baby is sick, you might have to intervene a little extra. 
So we say wake up in the middle of the night, we hear baby, we think that's weird. My baby sleeps through the night. Why is he awake? Hmm, I did notice his voice was kind of raspy today. Maybe he's getting sick. Maybe I normally would wait 10 minutes before I'd go in to check on him to try to give him 10 minutes to put himself back to sleep. But I think he might be sick. So I'm just going to wait a couple of minutes to see if he can self-soothe. But I'm going to go now and I'm going to go sooner than I normally would because I think this is illness related. Now I'm going to go in the room and see what's up. I'm going to do some extra checking. I'm going to check his diaper to make sure he hasn't had diarrhea due to an illness. I am going to check his temperature maybe because he feels a little warm. You know what? He has a mild fever. Maybe I'm going to give him a remedy for that, something my doctors recommended like infant Tylenol. I'm going to give my baby a little snuggle while I do these things. And then I'm going to put him back in his crib once I am confident that I as the parent have done everything I can for him. And now I'm going to stick to my normal sleep coaching strategy to make sure that he gets what he really needs the most, which is healthy rest. It can be so tempting to revert back to old sleep crutches when your baby is sick, when your baby's feeling under the weather. It can be tempting to just say, I'm going to go in and just rock him to sleep tonight because he's sick. Certainly you can do that. You can do whatever you want as a parent. But the tough thing about this is that then when your baby's not sick anymore in a couple of nights from now, you've reintroduced an old sleep crutch that maybe you worked really hard to remove during some sleep coaching. And that's not really what you wanted to do because now baby's feeling better, but he's kind of like, hey, wait a minute. This is cool. I love this thing that's been reintroduced where you come in and rock me back to sleep three times at night. I'm feeling great now, but I'd still like you to come in and rock me back to sleep three times at night because that's what I've become accustomed to or reaccustomed to over the last couple of nights. So we want to try to avoid that during the illness. Go to your baby, reassure him, give him what he needs, but also stick for the most part to what you normally would do during a sleep disturbance so that you don't get way off track and reintroduce old sleep crutches that you maybe already gotten rid of during sleep coaching. With all that said, I am realistic and I am a mom. So I get that sometimes we just panic a little bit and pull out all the stops when our little ones are feeling under the weather. And so if you do that, and in answer to this mom's question, if I break the boundaries, do I just revert back to normal after he recovers? Then yes, the answer is yes. If you go way off track, you go back to things you used to do before you did sleep coaching, you rock to sleep, you feed to sleep, you replace a pacifier to go to sleep just to get through this illness because you're in survival mode, it's realistic that that might happen and you go back to what you did before. So the good news about having already successfully done some sleep coaching in the past is that you have a strategy that you used in the past that you were obviously comfortable with because you used it, that you're obviously confident in because you used it, and that you had success with. So if you ever go way off track and way back to square one with sleep, then I would also go back to square one with sleep coaching. With whatever strategy you you used in the past that was comfortable to you, you're confident in, and you had success with, and then you're likely to get back on track quite quickly after an illness. Last question for today. Is there a fake out that happens around 11 months when it comes to naps? I keep reading about the signs that a child is ready to drop to one nap per day. And my 11-month-old is showing these signs, but I'm also hearing she's too young for just one nap a day. There is a bit of a fake out, but maybe we don't call it a fake out and maybe we just look at it like 
your 11-month-old probably needs some tweaks to their tune-up schedule. The tune-up schedule of an 11-month-old should not look the same as the tune-up schedule of an 8-month-old. An 8-month-old only needs around 3 hours of awake time before they're tired enough to sleep again. And they could have a two-hour nap in the morning and still be tired enough for another two-hour nap in the afternoon. An 11-month-old probably needs a little more awake time than that to have enough sleep pressure for their naps. And if you let them nap for too long in the morning, they will often resist their afternoon nap. And this is one of the biggest reasons I see parents move to one nap per day too early. Their 11, 12-month-old will nap for an hour and a half, two hours in the morning, and then they refuse their afternoon nap. It doesn't mean they're ready to move to just one midday nap every day. That's probably going to make them overtired. It's probably going to be too big of a stretch for them to go all the way to noon every day until they're allowed to have their nap. They're probably not ready for one nap a day, but they probably need some big tweaks to their tune-up schedule. Normally, an 11-month-old, 12-month-old is going to need a few hours of awake time before their first nap maybe even three and a half hours leading up to their second nap, and then even three and a half up to four hours leading up to bedtime. And if an 11, 12-month-old is napping an hour and a half, two hours in the morning, they're probably going to resist their afternoon nap. And so they probably don't need just one nap a day. They probably need their morning nap capped a little shorter, maybe around an hour or so to make sure they have enough sleep pressure for their second nap. So in answer to that question, it's not really a fake out. Your 11-month-old is not faking you out and trying to make you believe that they only need one nap a day. They just probably need some scheduling tweaks to stay on a two-nap schedule, but a two-nap schedule that looks a little different than it used to. Those are the top five questions for the week for Q&A Tuesday. I hope that was helpful. I hope everyone has a wonderful week ahead. I hope that if you are having any sleep challenges, you are feeling like you can reach out, you can get some help with that. Follow us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company. Reach out on our website to chat with one of us. We can do a free 20-minute phone consultation and go through these types of questions and go through an average day for your little one, see what that's looking like, and offer you some advice and support. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.